Hello, it's Lea Marshall again, your French journalist covering EU affairs. This time I have reported from Strasbourg an episode that looks at how the European Union is trying to tackle forced labor in the world. Having closely followed the recent reports about human rights breaches in China, for instance, I was quite interested in seeing what the European answer would be. Well, the European Commission, which is the body that first proposes new laws, came up with a regulation to avoid any products made from forced labor in our shopping cart. This was announced on 14th September, exactly one year after the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen promised to take action on this issue. This year, I'm back in the same town that hosts the European Parliament seat to ask MEPs what they think of the proposition. Every year in September, the President of the European Commission holds her State of the Union speech. Never before has this Parliament debated the state of our Union. She tells the parliamentarians about the latest projects and political direction that the institution intends to focus on. Ursula von der Leyen came exactly for this to Strasbourg. Alongside many other things, the Commission decided it was now time to have a European internal market free from solar panels, phones or T-shirts made from forced labour. So it just presented a proposal on this that will now have to go to be examined and debated by the other two institutions, the European Parliament and the member states in the Council. First, why is the EU acting on this? Even though forced labour is forbidden by international conventions, it persists everywhere in the world, including in the EU. Some 27 million people are affected, according to a recent report by International Labour Organization, or ILO. The case of the China's Xinjiang province where massive human rights abuses happen has long been denounced by human rights NGOs over the past couple of years. The UN Human Rights Office published a massive report end of August asserting that crimes against humanity occur against Uyghurs in Xinjiang. On the other side of the Atlantic, in June this year, the United States has enacted the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. It basically prevents all goods from Xinjiang from entering their market. Its neighbor Canada has also put in place a similar system. It took a bit longer for the EU to find the right recipe, but they now propose to stop products made from forced labor at the EU's borders and to remove those already present in the internal market. MEPs and NGOs have long been waiting this moment. In Strasbourg, Green MEPs held a press conference on the topic with a special guest, Dilnur Reyan, who is president of the European Uyghur Institute. She is quite critical of the general lack of action on this issue against China at this date. Finalement, on arrive, uh, on arrive bien après les États-Unis pour une uh, législation. It came well after the United States in terms of legislation on these crimes and these products from forced labor of Uyghurs. We expect a lot from this legislation proposal. I don't know the whole content yet, but as Uyghur, as a human rights defender, I hope that Europe will not be weaker in its proposal than the United States and that Europe, the last bastion for human rights, is able to honor its reputation. Let's have a look at how the US bill works. It basically assumes that any goods from Xinjiang are made with forced labor. So it sets up a blanket ban that automatically blocks all such imports. For example, solar panels produced in Xinjiang, which by the way account for a significant proportion of global production, would be blocked by US customs. Companies can only have their goods released on the market by proving that they are free of forced labor. This means that the burden of proof lies with the companies. 
but the European Commission is proposing a different system in which a member state's authorities have to prove that a product is made under forced labor before deciding on a ban. This involves a whole investigation process by authorities before a decision is reached. The Commission, indeed, estimates that the US model is ineffective. A ban that is targeting a specific region makes no sense, according to officials, because forced labor happens not only in Xinjiang, but elsewhere in China and in the whole world. Plus, this approach allows not to single out China, and that brings it into line with the rules of the World Trade Organization on non-discrimination, EU officials says. In the never-ending corridors of the European Parliament in Strasbourg, I met Raphael Glucksmann, a French parliamentarian who has been advocating action against the imprisonment of Uyghurs for some years now. The Commission approach makes total sense, he thinks. The good thing is that this instrument, its overall philosophy, is the right one. It is product-based, there is no exemption for importers based on their size. The question asked is, is this product made using forced labor or not? So that's important. But the fact that we don't have a regional ban, like in the US, is actually an opportunity. Because in fact, if you look at supply chains using forced labor in China, it is not just the Qingyang region. Uyghur and slave workers are sent all over the Chinese territory. So you have to take a risk-based and supplier-based approach. And this is also positive. Glucksmann also welcomes the fact that the Commission's proposal intends to retain banned products and dispose of them as it sees fit, unlike the US law, which simply releases them to another destination. Before heading to a group meeting, Glucksmann adds he and his colleague will work on lowering the level of proof required to ban a product as much as possible. I heard this as well from his green colleague Anna Cavazzini. Uh, a few moments after making a speech in the plenary on deforestation, the German MEP met me in front of the press conference room to discuss the proposal of the Commission. Her first words were to welcome the announcement, but after some digging down into the details, she confessed she fears that the purpose of the regulation will be bogged down in the details. One central question for me in this whole debate is how easy or how difficult it is to prove that a product has been made with forced labor. So for me, an instrument would not be effective if the authority or whatever a company uh, has it really, really, really difficult to prove that forced labor is included in the product. On the other hand, of course, we also don't want to have any false accusations, but I think it cannot be um, made too difficult because otherwise the instrument will not be effective. It is important for me that the competent authority really has the chance of proving fast and smoothly that a product has forced labor in it, otherwise the instrument is meaningless. In the press bar, around the hemicycle, I took the chance to speak to MEPs from different groups about this, and my feeling is, this burden of proof issue is likely to be a point of contention in the European Parliament, between those who want to make sure that every product concerned is seized in time and those who want to protect companies from too heavy a burden. MEPs don't have the same opinion on the US Act, for instance. Outside the European Parliament, representatives of the industry say that the US systems proves to be hard to navigate for companies. They are, for instance, unsure of what steps they are supposed to take to prove that their products are free of forced labor. 
That's why parliamentarian Angelika Winzig, an Austrian member of the Christian Democrats group, thinks it is crucial to have visibility of procedures and to have solid evidence. We have to, to protect honest entrepreneurs. That's the most important thing. And we only have can start the process against entrepreneurs when this is an evidence, uh, sufficient evidence. So we should uh, trust a little bit and uh, protect really the honest entrepreneurs. And if they have problems, yes, of course, the, problem, the process has to start. It's important that authorities will prove it. Other aspects of the text will be discussed in the coming months, such as the time frame for the tool to enter into force. The European Commission suggests a period of two years after adoption of the law so that institutions and companies have enough time to prepare. And the text itself may not be adopted before early 2024. So the situation may remain for the time being. Uyghur representative Dilnur Reyan hopes for swift action. There has been a genocide for five years and Europe has not done anything yet. Small sanctions are useless. Since Russia's war against Ukraine, we know that Europe can act quickly and efficiently when it wants to. We want that for the Uyghurs too. We do not want variable geometry behaviors. We want strong sanctions against China and also a real import ban. In the past, the EU has already sanctioned four Chinese individuals and one entity related to the repression of Uyghurs. Frictions with China over Xinjiang are likely to characterize the relations between Brussels and Beijing in the near future. Still, many actors are asking for further sanctions and for a tougher tone towards China. It's now time to head back to Brussels, where I will be closely following the debates on this file and many more others. I hope you enjoyed this new piece. À bientôt!